My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. It doesn't matter how hard you get hit and continue to get hit, you just got to keep getting up, you know, and, and keep pressing forward, focus on what you want um, and really have a desired dream and goal in This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with Chairman and CEO of Jamelli Group, Trent Jamelli. We discover how he found himself in the property development game managing assets in excess of $109 million and tells us a story about how he became bankrupt that led him to follow the simple principle to change his life around and much, much more. Trent Jamelli is the chairman and CEO of Jamelli Group, who are known as property project experts. Jamelli shares with us how he got started. We're Australia's number one small property project experts, um, and we basically coach, mentor, and um, uh, work with clients uh, in small developments. Um, we've, we've done it now for since 2006, uh, although I've been in property now for over 20 years, which is interesting. Jamelli tells us about what he does on a day-to-day basis. So my days are pretty free these days. Uh, obviously, I am busy working on the business uh, versus working uh, in the business. Uh, but, you know, most days I'm dropping the kids to school, um, you know, enjoying a, a coffee at my favourite uh, cafe, um, you know, I start work generally about 9, 9.30 most days and, and finish you know, around lunchtime. I have the afternoon with my wife and, and my youngest child and uh, obviously get to pick up my, uh, my eldest from school as well. So I've got to say it's, it's, um, it's been a lot of hard work to get here but now it's, um, you know, we get to enjoy the fruits of our labour. His family lived in different areas of different points in time, so he was accustomed to different ways of life. I was born on the central coast of New South Wales in good old Gosford Hospital. Um, I lived in Terrigal and Womberall for uh, my first 23 years of life. Absolutely had a fantastic upbringing. Um, also had the benefit, you know, I surf a lot and uh, so we're on the beach there, had, had the benefit of doing that. But uh, my grandparents used to live in Bungendore down in Canberra. so. I actually got to live a lot of the farm life at the same point in time. Um, moved down to Sydney at 23, uh, lived down there for nine and a half years, um, loved every minute of it. Uh, as you can probably appreciate, a young 20-year-old down in Sydney, it was it was glitz and glamour. And um, got out of there and, and from there uh, moved up to, met my wife and we moved up to the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. Some of the most successful people in the world do not enjoy going to school. 
I was never going to university. Um, it, it just didn't fit my mentality. With the greatest respect to everyone that goes to uni, um, yeah, I, I should have finished school at year ten. Um, but um, you know, to appease the parents, I went to, to year twelve. I had some great schooling. One of my favourite school was St Edward's College um, in East Gosford. There, it was a boys' school. We had such a great time with all the boys and all that, and playing a lot of sports and doing all that. I did quite well at school there. Um, year eleven and twelve, not so so great. Um, went into a co-ed environment and. And uh, you know, young t- sorry, late late teens. It's uh, it's more focused than school at that point in time. It took some time for Jamele to figure out what he wanted to do after high school. I failed school pretty hard on HSC. Um, I actually wanted to be an architect when I was uh, growing up. I was always a, a really good tech drawer, and and coming out of school, Dad sort of said to me because I'd never worked up until then, and he sort of said to me, "What are you going to do now?" And I was like, "Ah, oh, you know, don't worry about it. We'll see." And I ended up working at David Jones in Chatswood um, for a period of time there and actually really enjoyed it. Um, surprisingly enough, I was in the the, the back end and, and um, doing a bit of selling at the same point in time and it just really kicked the, the career off into being independent, um, learning about business and how it operated and what to do, what not to do. Um, you know, I got to see very actively um, the positives and the negatives of managers um, and yeah, it just gave me a good stable base from there to to evolve, and I did. I had a multitude of jobs on my resume uh, until about twenty nine. Um, mate, I reckon I've probably been through about two hundred jobs in the in that period of time. Uh, for me, it was always you know looking for something more, looking for more um, training, and and certainly mentors. And I I got that opportunity working for a group called Coreview and a, a chap called Warwick Kirby. Um, Mate, I, I, uh, I was in North Sydney, um, sort of mid-20s and uh, really thrived there. He taught me so much stuff um, that I still employ today and, you know, if he's listening, God love you, Warwick, mate, you've changed my life. Um, you know, it was, um, you just went hard, you know, went, went hard through the mornings and got in early and, and just, just learnt what I learned today and still apply a lot of the traits that, um, that he was able to teach. It's fair to say that Jamelli has had some considerable work experience. I was selling everything from, you know, clothes to IT equipment. I worked for a powder coating company, an air conditioning company, because um, I, I studied to be a mechanical engineer uh, at one point in time. Um, uh, selling advertising for Yellow Pages, you know, there was there's a whole list of raft of jobs that we did over over time over that period of time. Jamelli tells us about why he was always on the lookout for another job. It used to be a running joke with my mates um, that, you know, you can't hold a job down more than six months. It, it wasn't that. It was just I was always looking for something better. I was never settled working for someone else. Um, and, you know, when I, when I got to that point where I felt I'd, I'd learnt what I wanted to learn, uh, I then went and, and did something else. And funnily enough, reading Robert Kiyosaki's book, um, he did something very, very similar uh, growing up. From a young age, Jamelli was already starting to think about what his future could look like. My mum was always very pro-property. Um, she was from a banking background. My dad was an accountant. Um, you know, he was also pro-property but much more conservative. Um, for me, mate, it, it was always just something as I grew up. Um, I had this, uh, it's hard to explain, but just this gut feel that I was going that way. Um, I'd always... Yeah, there was two things I, I had, was purely passionate about it was cars, anything mechanical, um, particularly racing, 
um, and property. I, I just had this affiliation with it from such a young age. I remember, you know, I started playing golf at about seven. I was training to be a pro golfer back then and, and I still remember driving down to my grandparents and, and looking at property as, as we were going from such a young age. So I know it sounds a bit far-fetched, but, um, you know, I can still remember a lot of those trips. We hear about how he found himself going down the path of property investing. Dad was pushing me at the time. I was um, wasting way too much money on cars and, and booze and, and uh, going out, as, as every young man does. Um, bought my first house in Womberall, um, you know, and, and um, you know, bought it at the top of a boom and um, ended up losing money on it for the first eight years that I owned it. So, you know, I was always taught about negative gearing and all that. However, although... You know, we, we renovated that property and, and made it nice and had a great tenant for that period of time. Um, what I was able to do is leverage um, the little bit of growth that we had out of it and go into two and three. And, um, you know, I was able to multiply that very, very quickly. So I ended up, um, you know, I bought that property within six months. I bought a secondary property on the Gold Coast in Coomera. Um, I then bought a, you know, within an eight month period from there, I then went and bought another one in, in WA. And both of those properties doubled within 12 months. Um, so I was very fortunate from that perspective, um, you know, to buy right. I had a good team around me, being my finance broker, um, Leanne, at first um, uh, first mortgage in um, in uh, North Sydney, and um, she she really taught me a lot of stuff to do with finance and all that, and and. Uh, you know, I was I was continuing on. I had another two or three properties under contract at that point in time, and and Dad was saying to me, you know, you've got to do something else with your life. Um, you know, I ended up buying a Wizard Home Loans business in in two thousand and six. Um, so you know, we, we went from a, a very very slow start. I didn't get started until I was I was later. I'm still interested, but very very slow start. Um, but as soon as I got started, I was hooked, mate. Absolutely hooked, line and sinker. What age did you start or did you purchase that first property? Uh, it was about 26, I think it was, 25 or 26. We discovered the staggering amounts of properties that Jamelli held. By the time I got into developing, I had 100, uh, under, contra- uh, under my ownership uh, across multiple entities, we had 104 on the books. Um, most of them were negatively geared. After having so many properties on the books, there are bound to be some moments that aren't great at the time, but valuable to learn from. To learn, you've got to make mistakes. Um, now, you know, my thing, the way I was able to leverage myself very, very fast is, you know, reading about other people's money and, and leveraging through family members and stuff like that. Um, so we were able to grow that portfolio very, very fast. Um, however, it got to a point where I had to employ three people to run the portfolio and um, GFC rolled through and, and I actually liquidated everything um, or most of it. Um, just because I couldn't see the point of, of holding that much asset and debt at that point in time. I wasn't really getting ahead. He explains the impact that the global financial crisis had on his business. Constantly chasing your tail, uh, Robin Peter to pay Paul um, to get to that, you know, neutral base. And that, that's why when J- GFC rolled through, I just basically made a a blanket rule that anything that didn't have more than 20% growth, the note was either neutrally or positive cash flow, we got rid of, we just liquidated the whole lot. And, um, you know, it, it was a very uplifting moment. Um, it was it was tough to do to make the decision, but it was an extremely uplifting moment because I felt free again. And, um, 
you know, the properties that we did keep, um, we eventually sold them off anyway, but the properties that we did keep were able to, um, you know, not have to put a lot of coin into them. I could manage them versus a team managing them. So I ended up saving a bucket load of money. Jamali had come to a decision on what needed to be done and he didn't want to waste any time. He shares with us how long it took. About three and a half months. I, I just said get rid of them. So if we could get anything bank debt or more, go for it and we just liquidated. So um, that, that was, you know, when, when you want to do something, you can do it fast if you really want to. Did you have any uh, like surplus cash left over after that or did it just pay off all the debt? Just paid off all the debt, mate. So you're really starting from a blanket slate, blank slate from from day you know day dot. Then after you've sold all of them off, I've done that three times now. So I didn't learn the first time. It took me three times. We hear about a difficult moment in his life, not only on the business side but also on the personal side. I nearly went bust in um, after that event. Um, I had a, a, an ex girlfriend of mine that um, spent all the money, um, so that that was a tough one. Um, and then from there in 2013, I had a mate of 25 years uh, stick the knife in over money and um, went backwards pretty hard from there. Jamali goes into more detail about that time in his life and why it had such an effect on him. At the end of the day, you know, we got on famously, we were great mates and all that sort of stuff. But uh, what I didn't realize at the time, you know, we had our business, which was going fine. Um, but we also had a development together. And what I didn't realize is I was managing his wife. Um, you know, and that for me was really, really difficult. Um, I didn't really give two hoots about the money, to be honest. Um, it, it was more the relationship, but um, you know, that, that's how you grow and, and move forward. And, and um, my firstborn was two weeks old when that happened. Um, so, you know, when when your back's to the wall, you start to, you know, you can really focus and, and put, um, you know, focused attention into what you do, and and that's what we did, and, and where we are today because of that. So. I'm actually really grateful for that that um, that moment in time. Uh, as hard as it was, um, you know, I am actually grateful for it as well. Coming up after the break, we'll delve into Trent Jamelli's journey into the property development space. That's when I liquidated the the um, the properties that I had on the books, and um, I was able to then get into my own first development. Um, which was what I was always looking to do anyway. The moment where everything turned around. Mate, you're bankrupt. doesn't matter which way you look at it, you're bankrupt. I just said, look, don't worry about it. Let me go. I'll, uh, you know, in 18 months, we'll, we'll change this around. So what we did is assume the mentality of the KISS theory um, to keep it simple, stupid. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. After going through such a great learning experience, Jamelli decided to use that experience to his advantage. When I started the Wizard Home Loans business, I found the extent of um, the franchise very fast and I wanted to learn about development and, and that side of it as well. So I, I basically um, worked for free and apprenticed two developers in Sydney for a great period of time, about three and a half years, and um, ended up losing money again off those two. One of them wasn't the uh, most straightest person in the world. Um, and, um, you know, I, I just did everything that I could. Project managed five 30-plus unit developments um, at once. Suffice to say, I wasn't married at that time and I certainly didn't have kids. Um, so I just I just committed myself absolutely into learning as much as I could about developing. 
Um, when I got through that phase, you know, we're talking 2007, 8, um, 9, that's when I liquidated the the, um, the properties that I had on the books. And um, I was able to then get into my own first development, um, which was what I was always looking to do anyway, although I couldn't and wouldn't have been able to go to university to study architecture because I just didn't have the, the um, uh, marks to do that. I certainly had the ability to go through a different route of being development to do the same job as just someone else was drawing it for me. We discover what he learned from some fairs in the past and how he uses that to his benefit. I had a failed uh, business partnership in that one and, and ended up just letting it, uh, letting it die. Um, it wasn't worth the hassle selling it. Um, I've had two partnerships and both have, have, have gone down. So suffice to say, I'm not that uh, pro on partnerships. Um, however, that's not to say they can't work. So I actually just let it die. Um, I still did finance through the period of time just to be able to you know, make ends meet and pay for things. You know, I ended up working for Commonwealth Bank for a period of time as well um, for the same same reason. But um, I just, you know, deep down knew that I had to, you know, get out of the environment where I was encased. Um, you know, and I mean that, again, with the greatest respect to everyone. A job just wasn't for me. Um, I had to be my own boss. I had to rule the roost in, in those type of areas. And, and um, you know, my staff are amazing, um, you know, and I don't. I'm not overbearing or anything like that with them. I'm just, you know, I like to be in control of my own uh, ship and um, and that is, has brought us great fortune and, and um, you know, great friendships as well. At the end of that journey, he describes his venture into property development and provides words of wisdom. I got into it in 07 um, and, um, yeah, again, just through leverage was able to and, and certainly learning uh, with developers um, who I was learning from I was able to you know put some some funds in some capital in and, and joint venture with them uh, and then was learning the process as we went mate. Uh, I did my first one on my own um, back in um, 2000, late 2008 um, that was um, you know an 80 unit complex um, went through the GFC got funding on it had joint venture partners in that. Uh, that didn't go too well um, because one of the partners decided not to pay his mortgage, so the funding fell over. Walked away from that, um, but you know, like anything, it, it, it's it's the journey that you go on and what you learn from it. Um, we still do joint ventures, however, we're we're pretty selective who we joint venture with now, um, just from previous experience. That that's what it's been. So, mate, I can't say that it was all roses because it wasn't. You know, we've we've had some tough times and we've had to really dig deep a lot. You know, quite a number of times, um, and I'm not trying to say it's a sob story or anything like that. It's just my journey to date. Um, that you know, when times get tough, you need to get tougher. Um, you know, I heard a great thing this morning just on the radio was you know you might get knocked down seven times, you have to get up eight, um, and that was from Denzel Washington just watching a motivational video. Um, you know, it, it's it doesn't matter how hard you get hit and continue to get hit, you just got to keep getting up you know, and, and keep pressing forward, focus on what you want um, and really have a desired dream and goal in, in tow, um, you know, and I have a vision board, so I have them in my car, on my phone, everywhere I go um, so that I can always, you know, look at what I want, um, where I want it. And it's not all materialistic, you know, some of it is, um, but, you know, you, you're able to create this lifestyle with desired focus. 
some advice from a person with experience helped Jamali simplify his outlook on the business. In 13, when you know all the stuff happened with you know, my ex-mate, my wife and I just basically looked at each other and went, right, you know, we're... I was starting from a minus $427,000 position. Um, we had tax debt to pay and you know all sorts of liabilities to, to deal with. And I remember saying to my wife and my father-in-law uh, and my mum at, at that time, you know, my father-in-law was an ex high up in Westpac banking and he goes, mate, you're bankrupt. It doesn't matter which way you look at it, you're bankrupt. I just said, look, don't worry about it. Let me go. I'll, uh, you know, in 18 months, we'll, we'll change this around. So what we did is assume the mentality of the KISS theory, um, so keep it simple, stupid, uh, and you know the smaller fish are sweet. So we started on a splitter, which we actually owned at the time we we're living in. Um, then we moved on to you know a triple splitter and then a quad, and we just started progressing, doing the small things. You know, there's an old saying that little fish, small fish are sweet, and we're earning good money out of it. And uh, we moved away from building. I just looked at everything and, and, you know, there's two risks or two areas that you'll go bust in developing. And uh, from my perspective, it's building and finance. Um, and the reason I say that is builders operate off of wafer-thin wafer margins typically. Um, eight to 10% is pretty normal. Um, and if they go bust, it's incredibly hard to get a new builder in, number one. And typically, if that doesn't kill you, the finance will because you're going to have delays and all that sort of stuff. So what we did is just moved into land subdivisions, small lot land subdivisions, which is what we do now. Um, you know, and since 2013, we've gone from that minus $427,000 position to right now on the balance sheet as of today is about $109 million uh, in property uh, with $14.3 or $4 million in debt. We discover where these developments were located and why he chose that location. They're in Queensland. At, um, because of the market conditions. The markets were moving around too much um, for me in Sydney. Uh, so we ended up pulling out of Sydney. Um, we were selling property in Sydney, but we ended up pulling out in 13. Um, as you, as everyone's aware, you know, the market took off again, which it wasn't supposed to do. Um, and what happens from our perspective is when um, we look at deals on a multiple level. So, you know, we might go and buy sites with 20 lots or, or possibly 20 lots. And we'll get all of our terms and things like that, which is subject to DD, settlement, DAs, all that sort of stuff. When that goes out of the market and says, no, you have to pay cash now, that's, a, that's an indicator for us to get out um, because the market's too hot uh, for us at that, in that instance. And um, we are, um, you know, we, we've got to move away from it at that point in time and look at another area. So, so I've, you know, for, for, for us to do that, we had to make sure that, you know, from there we looked at the next market, the next natural swing was up to uh, Queensland or Brisbane um, and from there the nat natural swing in from now is over into WA. So we're obviously seeking uh, property down there. Um, Sydney, for instance, sake, we still think it's probably got another year and a half to two years before we'll actively be looking to purchase down there again. Confidence is something that Jamelli does not lack in the slightest and he will always back himself. I'm the eternal optimist. Um, so, you know, everyone says to me, you know, you shoot for the stars. Um, but if you don't shoot for the stars, you know, you're not going to get anywhere. You know, if I shoot to the stars and get to the moon, I'm still going to be a happy man. You know what I mean? So, you know, for me, I don't look at developing as um, risk. I just look at the numbers. 
um, you know, and you understand that, num- you know, to get to the end goal, it's going to take X amount of years, um, you know, and over that period of time, you're going to need Y amount of cash, blah, 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 blah. And again, probably shouldn't have taken on, to be honest. Um, you know, it was a massive undertaking. Um, but we just learned so much for it. And again, can't complain about the journey. It's just one of those things that, uh, you know, I thought I could do at the time. I was invincible, being, you know, late 20s, as, as we all are. Um, and, um, you know, I could afford to, if shit hit the fan, I could afford to get up and go again. That, that's, that's just the reality of it. Family is an important aspect for Jamali. And we learn about moments that he found extremely valuable. When my firstborn was born, uh, was one of those moments um, that completely just changed life um, altogether. I realised that I'm just an insignificant soul. Um, but you know, you've you've got to uh, now bring up this this human being and and teach them the right values. So that that was always a big aha moment for me. Um, but there's been many over times and over years. Um, it's it funny. I was talking to my dad the other day. Um, one thing he taught me years ago, when I was younger, I just did not listen to him whatsoever, um, as we all do. Um, and he used to say this saying to me, which was little and often, and he was talking about savings. Um, and I was like, yeah, dad, whatever. And, um, and he always used to, to say the other thing is, you know, every dollar you spend on a credit card, you're spending a dollar twenty. Um, so those little things that have happened in life, I've reverse engineered. So every dollar I spend, I expect a dollar twenty. Um, you know, and little and often is the same strategy and process I use today. And I was telling him the other day, and he teared up pretty heavily um, about that. But um, you know, there's obviously other aha moments. You know, when 2013, when everything uh, went to shit, it was just like, you know what, you need to, you know, this is the, this is your time. You know, you, you need to focus, and you've got the opportunity now to build something amazing. And, and that's what we did. Um, in 15, we we set up. Our Palladium program, which is the coaching and mentoring people to become property developers, and we split profits 50-50 with our clients that choose to participate. Um, you know, that, that was a big aha moment because I was looking at the time as to what was on the market, and there was nothing like it. Like just plenty of plenty of courses out there about property, but certainly nothing that gave people the opportunity to participate in projects. Um, the way we do them, uh, and and thankfully today we still operate in a fairly uh, non-competitive competitive environment because you know the sequence of products that we've got and, and what we do is you know not a lot of people want to go down that path. So there's been there's been a number, mate, but the biggest one for me was my firstborn when she was born. You know, it really set life apart for me. Jamelli was ready for the challenge of caring for his newborn and how that changed his perspective on business. Funnily enough, it didn't impact me a lot. Um, it. it it drove me more, uh, but it didn't really impact me uh, as to how I still operate the business today. You know, like I said before, I shoot for the stars, um, always have, you know, always hit, shoot big targets and most of the time hit them. Um, so for me, the fundamentals of business have always been the same. Um, it, what it did do uh, from a clarity point of view was really Every year I assess everything that I do and apply the KISS theory. If it's too hard, I just get rid of it. Um, that was the one area that it really gave me clarity on was, you know, how can I spend more time with my kids um, and, and in their lives whilst they're growing up, whilst operating a multi-million dollar business, um, working from home and working, you know, not a lot of hours a week. Um, everyone says it can't be done. Um, I'm here to tell you it can be. You've just got to be able to 
you know, get the right team around you to do it. So, you know, that that was the real aha moment was, and, and those functionalities of having a child was, you know, it, it just gave me clarity. And adding to that, my wife has been amazing. Um, you know, she she took a lot of the um, a lot of that back end off me. I, I wasn't a you won't wake me through the night anyway, so that's not too much of an issue. <laughs> I'll still be a freight train go through our house. It wouldn't worry me. Um, but, uh, yeah, my wife, thankfully, you know, she took a lot of that load on her, um, and you know, it, it certainly made my life a little bit better um, and easier to be able to achieve what what we've done today. So inspired by Trent Dromelli's journey and his amazing aha moment, we'll keep the conversation going in a future episode of Property Invest Story. We'll discuss his strategy. So, you know, cash flow is the biggest killer of any business and, and development or whatever. So you've got to make sure that you've got sales coming in the door. What his business holds in the highest regard. So the, the big one of our core values is transparency with what we do. Um, and, you know, to have that ability to show clients exactly where we're at, you know, from a financial aspect from a development aspect and that's next time in a future episode of property investory my business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments then tap to pay on iphone and stripe came along and changed everything with tap to pay on iphone and stripe i streamlined my payment process effortlessly now i can accept in-person contactless payments right from my iphone no extra hardware required What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tapiphone.